0: Hey, Backwoods Belief, this is Jeff Wright here with Ben as normal, but we've got some guests with us today. We have Josh Abatoy and we have William Wolf. and uh, personally, I'm big fans of these guys, but uh, Josh first, then William. I'm going to have to ask y'all to introduce yourself to our audience, because y'all do so much stuff, I can't always tell what your primary vocational responsibility is at any given time outside of your family. So, Josh, could you start by giving us an idea of what you do for the Lord's glory?
1: Yeah, Jeff. Um, I'm a Southern Baptist. I live in the Dallas area. Primarily, what I do is uh, is actually business uh, investing, private equity, and deal work. Um, so I work with New Founding down here in Dallas. Uh, Nate Fisher is a partner, and uh, a number of others. Your audience may have seen on the internet, like Santiago Plego and and that whole gang. Um, so so we are um, that that business is is focusing on. Uh, building trustworthy alternative uh, businesses right now, given how uh, ideologically cl- captured mainstream corporations are. So that's what I do. That's sort of my background and what I do mostly to pay the bills. Um, but I also uh, wear another hat, which is running American Reformer, which, you know, maybe some of your your fans have read or, or seen some places. But American Reformer, is uh, our mission is to reinvigorate the Protestant Church uh, for cultural leadership on pressing issues. We do this in our journal, which is uh, intellectual work uh, that tries to recover historic Christianity and apply it to the challenges of today. And then we do it with our reform work, which is uh, coalitions building and and issues-based advocacy uh, on matters that particularly affect Christian institutions, denominations, colleges, uh, schools, nonprofit, you name it.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, some of the stuff there you described that I knew um, is why I'm a big fan. So I appreciate the work you're doing and I'm looking forward to talking to you about some more of that. Uh, William, could you do a version of that for us too, ma'am?
2: Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on guys. I too am a Southern Baptist and I have been in Louisville, Kentucky for the last couple of years, about to move my family back to the great state of North Carolina, and uh, prior to being in Louisville, I spent 10 years working in politics in Washington, D.C., including in the Trump administration, which I make sure to always mention to trigger everybody who thinks that that was <laughs> in, in, inappropriate. And it, it was excellent. It was a wonderful opportunity. Um, so I have uh, you know, a political background and then theological training. And I currently am a you know regular writer for the Standing for Freedom Center out of Liberty University, and then I'm a visiting fellow at the Center for New America, I think tank in Washington, D.C. And uh, yeah, all the views expressed
3: here are solely my own. I feel like I always need to add that disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> and also, as, as is widely known on Twitter, you're the author of The Case for Christian Nationalism.
2: <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> I, forgot, I, I forgot about my best-selling book. <laughs>
0: uh all right, so guys, we're here I mean this is pretty well set up. We're here to talk about um the way culture is shifting in terms of geography and why we're here to talk about um how that kind of serves our vision for backwoods belief and so I guess I'd like to start by asking josh i've I've heard you recently on a couple different uh platforms. I think the most recent was on the new founding podcast. You use a term called the big sort, and could you kind of lay out what that means for our listeners if they're not familiar? And then, William, when he's done, could you talk to us about how that's a pretty important political idea right now, too?
1: Sounds great. Um, Yeah, the big sort, you know, that idea had its start, I think, about 20 years ago with sociologists, just mainstream sociologists, who were noticing that um, people were increasingly choosing where they live based on political considerations. Um, And it was a perhaps a sleepy theory for the last 20 years. It was being noticed. It was a slow burn trend. And then COVID came along and just poured gasoline on that fire. Um, According to current statistics, 5 million people have moved because of uh, remote work possibilities in the last three years, and another 20 million still want to move and a lot of that's being politically driven. Um I think it's even sort of reflected if you look at some of the electoral results of particular states, you know, um like Florida and places like it that have become magnets for uh for conservatives moving from other states are getting redder. And on the flip side, blue states like California are getting bluer. And so so there's been this massive sort and then you know you see this um you know, whenever like a red state passes a more aggressive law, you see a lot of people very loudly on Twitter. Oh, I can't get an abortion anymore in Texas. I feel unsafe mm-hmm. here. I have to move somewhere else. Um, so, so you know, the, the the changes to the work patterns of the population have really enabled uh, political sorting in a way that that um, maybe it never was before. I mean, you can have somebody working for Google or what have you from a cabin in the holler out in middle Tennessee and uh you know but otherwise they can they they can be totally plugged into a community that shares their values on some really important stuff. So I think that sort of tees up the basics.
2: Yeah, the, I it's mean, great. it yeah, it's happening. I mean, the reality is, you know, wh- whatever you want to call it, the big sort, the great sort, some people try to derogatorily refer to it as, you know, Balkanization or some people embrace that term. But the reality is that it's something that's happening and this is something that you know, sometimes I would think conservatives uh, and, and even Christians have, have a hard time thinking clearly about things that are happening, whether they agree with them or not. And so you want to get your mind around the world you live in rightly. And if you if you look from 2010 to 2020, you you know, over the period of that that last decade, the fastest growing states were mostly red states like Texas, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, and South Carolina. And like Josh mentioned, the pandemic really accelerated that. Or if you look at even in a, in a, in a blue state like Illinois, with the recent election of a far left, very far left, uh, new mayor for Chicago, they've got major businesses, Fortune 500 companies, Boeing, Caterpillar, Citadel, and others, uh, leaving Chicago and leaving their Illinois-based corporate headquarters for you know better economic opportunities in other states. David Brooks had a recent opinion piece on this, and in his typical fashion, he tries to cast it as primarily due to sort of pro-business families. But again, during the pandemic, and also with lots of new legislation in blue states that are directly targeting families, I, I think quite frankly, one of the bigger motivations than. You know, pro business considerations is pro family considerations, right? Like now in Michigan, they've got a proposed law where, you know, you could be fined for misgendering people. In California, they've got a proposed law that would compel judges to weigh sort of the the welfare and well being of a child in accordance to their gender identity and sexual orientation, and then determine which parent is going to affirm that and then give the child to that parent. Which led a California state senator who's on the judiciary committee there to say something along the lines of, in the past, as I've seen you know parental rights abrogated here in California, I've thought that people should stay and fight. But now my advice is take your kids and flee. And so it's it's happening. Blue states, as they become more blue, are not just hostile to, you know, to business, they're hostile to family, they're hostile to faith, they're hostile to, you know, the basic Tocquevillian communities and freedom of association that this great nation was built on. So where can you find those communities these days? Well, you can find them increasingly, pretty much almost exclusively to a certain degree in red states. And so we have a crop of what you could call sort of modern day pioneers who are leaving where they've been, maybe even for generations and trying to find uh, better opportunities for their family in freer states.
0: Well, this is a topic I'm super interested in for personal reasons that I'll... uh... I'll get into in just a second, but, you know, the thesis of our podcast is that Christianity is going to do best uh, in the foreseeable future out on the margins of culture and specifically in places that are, uh, you know, byways and whatnot, uh, out in the sticks, as it were. Uh, Before we kind of press on in my own personal interest here, though, Ben, I've been asking a bunch of questions. You're sitting there patiently. Is there anything that that you'd like to throw in the hopper here? Um, Yeah. The
3: one thing I was going to bring up is, I mean, I, as well, kind of have a personal story about this, just given what what I've done recently. We've moved because I now have a work-from-home job, and so we could live wherever we wanted. And so we just went, you know, where's close to family? Where's a good church? Uh, you know, where's a, a, a nice place to live? And made our decisions based on that. So I was going to ask, and maybe we can get to this later, or if now's a good time, we can talk about it now. But, like, what do you think are some of the good... Um, for for people who are thinking about, you know, making these moves. What are the, what are some of the things to pay attention to? Obviously, a good church, a good um, you know, like a safe place to live, but are there are there any other things like that that you think are important factors in making a decision like this?
1: Yeah, I think long-term cultural and political trajectory of a state is important. Um, so, you know, I I uh I I hope I'm not stepping on toes here, but you know, there are there are certain states that maybe Lean red culturally, but maybe they have a long-term out-migration pattern, um, dying industries. Uh, you know, maybe like let's take for example. No offense to the state of Wyoming, but this is a state with a super low population, very unchurched whatsoever, and the economy is very like uh, tourism focused. And aside from the tourism industry, there's a lot of poverty and and whatnot in Wyoming. You want to you want to try to find a location that does have real some real thriving industry, and it's also got even if it's not like a church you'd go to necessarily, it's got this bedrock of civic virtue where people do at least tend to go to church and hear some Bible, and there's still some cultural Christianity present, like the 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 people are kind of still swimming in the water of the King James Bible that they hear most Sundays, and so I, I think that set of considerations really. It takes me to the Bible Belt, to the Southeast, um, or Texas. But you know, even even a place like Florida, uh, great great politics. Uh, I mean, maybe the best governor in the country. But Florida is a pretty like kind of hedonistic place, very tourism centric, and all of that. I think there's some interesting reasons why you might want to avoid a spot like that if you're thinking about long term. What's going to be good for my family? Where do I want to put down roots and invest?
3: Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely right. And I think about, you know, my own state of Pennsylvania, which, you know, at one time besides Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, it's even today very deep red, but because it's controlled by Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, the trajectory isn't
2: Yeah, I think another important consideration too is uh, is land. And I think that's something that really struck home for a lot of folks again during the lockdowns of the COVID pandemic when they found themselves, you know, in In these townhomes in a suburb or you know living in a city, and all of a sudden you know they're not allowed to go anywhere without a mask or a vaccine passport, and you know you can't get your basic necessities at a grocery store because everything's sold out or eggs are now you know six dollars a dozen and so i th- I think that we're we're absolutely seeing people recovering an entrepreneurial uh, and even you could say, to some degree, in uh, you know, homesteading desire and spirit, and they're looking for the chance to plant their families on parcels of land that they can cultivate, grow, and work work with and on, and have something to leave for future generations. And you know, you could call that a reaction, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Sometimes reactions are appropriate. As um, you know, whoever I think it was, Lewis, you know, who said, if you want to make progress, you got to make sure you're going the right way, and sometimes that means turning around and so that's you know that's a reactionary movement but it's an appropriate one and so i think that that's another serious consideration land freedom you know better churches and and then the type of community that you can trust your kids around right like if you're living in you know if you're living in san diego or los angeles or chicago or new york or baltimore like you, you can't let your kids just play out on the streets are you kidding me you know but if you've got a you've got some acreage you've got some neighbors that you get to know and trust you know we can get back to those days where you send your kids out in the morning uh in the summertime and they can drink from the hose and you don't see them again till the dinner bell gets rung
0: yeah so (laughs) did I step on Josh I'm not sure whose voice that was
1: uh that was me Jeff I just that hit home for me I you know I grew up in Hartsville uh not far down the road from you and um I go you know I go home and visit my family every summer and like this is gonna sound crazy but we know that community. We know the people on our street in Tennessee, and my kids can get on their bikes when the sun comes up and be out of the house for much of the day. And I'm not worried about what they're getting up to. Generally, it's it's safe. I trust the people there, and uh, you know that's just such a different universe than what most of America is like, especially urban areas.
2: Yeah, and that gets to something just that, that you know a term that gets tossed around, but it's important for this conversation is the value of a high trust community or the value of a high trust yeah. society, but we certainly don't have a high trust society writ large in the United States of America anymore. But again, you can you can vote with your feet, right? You can, you can choose to move somewhere where you feel like you can be a part of a high trust community again. And that's almost like an, an ephemeral, it's a non-tangible thing in many ways, but then expresses itself in very tangible ways, like, you know, the ability to trust that your kids aren't going to be shot on the street or snatched up somewhere if they're playing outside during the day.
0: So I'm going to jump in with what's going to sound a little negative on this front, but I, I think ultimately uh, it's a positive point that I want to get into you all specific projects. So I live in that kind of community, and I made choices throughout the course of my life to stay in that kind of community rather than, than uh, pursuing urban environments that may have higher earning potential and things like that, right? So what I'm watching happen in the kind of areas you're talking about, this area where multiple generations of my family has lived here with these other generations. We've, you know, we farm land, you know, we used to own that place. They used to own that place. You know, you swap it out. Um, It builds deep community. It builds thick communities. It builds high trust communities, but I'm watching it be gentrified. So I think that farming is good for humans. I can unpack this some other time, but basically a connection with the land is good for us. It creates a kind of person, a kind of human that has the kind of qualities that develop into communities that are the kind of places people fleeing urban areas want to, uh, want to live, right? But with this huge gentrification and turnover, uh, those things are not just threatened, they're, uh, they're shuffled. And shuffled in a way that's not conducive to the, the kind of things that you're saying these people are looking for. So I have this frustration with how this uh, gentrification of Appalachia is taking place, but Ridge Runner USA is doing a version of this that I think is actually helpful. It's actually sustainable. It gives us a, a good way forward with people who are looking for a better place to live. But they don't want to displace the, the community that built the kind of society they wanted to live in. Um, I hope that sounds familiar to y'all. I hope that sounds like the project you're working on. And so could you lay out for us what Ridge Runner is doing and how it sort of addresses an objection like a guy that that a guy like me would raise to the process of people fleeing blue states for rural areas, Je- Jeff. Um,
1: yeah, man. I mean that you're you're hitting right on something that that I really care about. I grew, you know, like I said, I I grew up all over the place, but most of my life was in was in Tennessee. And as much as I can call any place home, it's it's Tennessee, right? And and a pretty rural small town of two thousand people in Troup County, you know. And um, you know, here here's what I'd say, um appalachia t- so on a broader the broader trend for like 50 or 70 years has actually been people like actually population shrinking especially in in eastern kentucky west virginia a lot of sm- small rural towns um you can see like evidences that these towns used to be very prosperous places like they have really grand downtowns right parts my town had a Beautiful old hotel that fell into disrepair and you know and is falling apart and and that happened because the economy evolved after World War II in a way that very intentionally targeted these communities and you know kind of siphoned off um, a lot of the wealth and and um, you know ambitious people to to cities like Manhattan and whatnot and you know so 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 what's going on now I think is a, a reversal of that and I think that I would say. Like Appalachia is going to gentrify, um, and so the 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 question is how will how will it gentrify? Will yeah. will all the small towns that we love become like little Ashvilles? You know, may it never be right. I mean, <coughs> I, like w- so, Ridge Runner. W- what we're trying to do is, you know, one, we're we're not trying to like, we don't want to take legacy farms and just like slice them into ribbons, you know, and and drop down, you know, paint by the numbers. Um, you know suburbs or or whatever like that, I mean we want to you know generally speaking we're we are doing we are cutting up some very large farms into smaller bits um but you know we're we're trying to appeal to people who are conservative, they're Christian and they're intentionally looking to plug into the community, not come and like you know like uh take it over or be aliens like these are we want in all of our marketing and the way that we sell to people we want people who come with an attitude of like humility and say like, hey, there's really good stuff in this community and I'm here to learn and become part of it. Not like I'm here to take it over as a hostile alien. And I, I don't know what you've seen on the ground. Like my hometown where I grew up in Tennessee, like there are a number of conservative Californians who moved out and it's like, it's heartwarming. It's kind of hilarious, right? They like, they get land and they're like, okay, like I want to buy a cow. How do I do that? And you know, mm-hmm. but what do I need? What do I feed it? And in like sort of a heartwarming way, like they're you know they're they're like doing their best to try to learn local traditions and actually carry on some of the stuff look i mean it's not change like change is never fun i think like espe- i mean especially in this part of the world it's it's you know i love it the way it is um but i i do think that some of the folks that are moving in can actually be like a source of strength they can bring resources and even ideas that can be an encouragement to to local communities and help them flourish in a way that's like coherent and you know kind of makes sense and and honors their the past
0: yeah so just to grab that 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 approach is what makes me enthusiastic about what y'all are doing because i'm with you i mean i don't have the power to kind of change the tides of culture but when i first heard about your company and your and what you just laid out, I had like two days before been at a local area try uh, local area meeting trying to get a elementary school reopened to get kids uh, out in this more rural part of the county into a elementary school in their part of the county rather than having to go to town, and so um, there was a couple there that I didn't recognize and they had bought this beautiful farm that I wish I owned and you know had. Uh, had made some changes to it and whatnot, and they're sitting there and they're real engaged and real invested in, hey, we want to get the school open back up, which was encouraging to me until the husband said, yeah, because that's going to be great for our property value. And uh, within a month, that guy had flipped his farm to somebody else who mm-hmm. um, who didn't care, right? It was just a way to uh, maximize the asset. Now, I'm a good capitalist, but it, it really does get under my skin at the place that... I think of as home and that forms good humans is merely a uh, a real estate asset to be improved and flipped, and that this guy was like engaging with community activities for the purpose of cravenly just improving a property he was going to flip soon. So, I, you know, I'm totally blackpilled, but then I hear the pitch on Ridge Runner and saying what you just said that that we want people who are going to come be part of a community, not despising what's there, but to help you know, re- bolster it and uh, re-strengthen it and re-energize it. And so, again, I feel like I'm talking about some negative aspects, but when I think about what's happening to my part of the world that's so precious to me, I, I basically want Ridge Runner to be in control of all of it. Um, so um, that, that, that's me trying to steer us back out of my own personal negative world into a positive view. <laughs> so how do people connect with what Ridge Runner is doing? Yeah, you can go to
1: ridgerunnerusa.com. Uh we have two farms that are listed right now. Um one of them is on the Cumberland River and then one is a a, a Hills and Hollers farm. You know, you know this part of the world, Jeff. It's pretty typical, right? It's this beautiful like escarpment near the river, you know, hmm. hills and hollers and um you know, uh and uh, so so we've got those two places. Um we've got photos of all of it. They're all up in the in the Burksville, Kentucky area. This is if you go up the Cumberland River from Nashville, you know, you go up for for, uh, you know, maybe about 150 miles. It eventually crosses the Kentucky state line. And Burksville's there about 20 miles north of the Tennessee, Kentucky border. It's between two world class lakes, just a gorgeous little town um, and uh, and just beautiful, beautiful land. uh, Some of the best best whitetail hunting actually you'll ever Mm -hmm. get. In the Berksville area, I got my deer there this year, and uh yeah, I mean it's it's um you know so it's it's and you know the other thing about Kentucky is it hasn't quite popped the way that Tennessee has, so you know Tennessee land prices are just i mean you you know if you've watched it they're crazy right now and 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 Kentucky's a bit more reasonable, you know, and so i I think you know when some people from from like other parts of the country see this like you can get up up there you can get like an acre. On the Cumberland River, and there's no core of Engineer frontage, so you literally own right down to the water, and you could build your cabin, you know, thirty feet above it, and have a deck to where you could drop a line from your deck in the river and catch a trout, you know, while you have your morning coffee or whatever. You can get that acre for about forty-five thousand dollars up there, and so that the it's it's uh, it's pretty much, pretty much unmatched. I mean, it's it's just it's an incredible opportunity, and we you know we want I mean while that opportunity is there it's like you know i would say to people who are listening like, this is your chance to i think get in you know get into a part of the country that um you know has been a little bit under the radar for a long time um you know the, these opportunities are going to get scarcer and you know this is this is the kind of place that you would want to put down long-term roots and raise your kids and you know their kids can be there create a legacy um And, you know, I just don't, I don't think that's going to last forever. I think it's going to get a lot harder to get into these places, um, you know, 10 years down the road or, or what have you. And, you know, the, the other thing is like, we, we often look at, um, you know, there's communities like, uh, you know, some popular ones, right? Like Moscow, Idaho, um, where Christians have really done a nice job doing localism. And the thing I'd say is like, there, there are so many opportunities to do that. There's so much demand for that. Um. So I would I would tell a lot of people like, uh, you know, you can if you want to if you want to get after something like that, you should consider a Ridge Runner community. We we don't we, we we sell to everybody like the laws require, but we're intentionally marketing towards towards conservative Christians. And so, you know, this we hope this is something that that draws out people who have a little bit of a pioneer spirit and say, like, I want to be part of of, you know, creating, encouraging Christian localism in this corner of the world where maybe they're. There isn't a lot right now, but we can we can build it together.
3: Yeah, um, so I was actually thinking of Moscow when when you were talking, and you know they they sort of actually did kind of actively go to a place where're like we want to take over this town for Christ um, when they established themselves. and it sounds like what you're describing is a, a bit different than that, but is the is the end goal like eventually to have kind of a Christian community, like a high trust like these are our people here, our church is here. people own the businesses like is that is that kind of the intention or is it um something different than that
1: the intention is to is to have enough scale so that it it um you know that that it is you know the christian the conservative christians have a presence on main square the difference unlike moscow um you know that the there's not gonna be there's like famous antagonism right between doug wilson's group and then you know the university of idaho group that's up there right and these places, you know, I don't, I just wouldn't think of them as being in the same paradigm. I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of good Christians that are already in these small towns. Um, you know, I think a lot of times there's, uh, you know, a lot of them have shrinking population because of lack of economic opportunity. Um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of churches, but, you know, sometimes uh, they may not ha- have the most solid teaching. And so there's there's an opportunity to edify and encourage some of the local churches, I think. Um, you know, and that like that, that's, that's going to be work too. Right. But it's, it's a different kind of work.
2: Yeah. And I, I think that to, to maybe put a little bit more of a point on it, you know, one of the differences with Ridge runner USA is what they're doing is they're, you know, they're, they're selling tracts of land. So the people are going to you know purchase these, they're going to come and they're going to build their own houses, custom houses on their own land. Like Josh said, there's no pay by numbers here that we're not, they're not parceling it up, and you know, there, there's no you know necessarily like prefab construction. Although you could look to get that if you if you want that for for your land. But I think the idea here is that it attracts individuals who want to come and invest in in this way of life. And then there's going to be ripple effects of that too, right? As you as you come and you purchase land and you acquire it and you put a put your own home on it. And then you start engaging with the local community, there's going to be lots of opportunities there to build into the community as well. I think for people who have entrepreneurial spirits, they can look to help reinvigorate and you know, revive small towns. Burksville, Kentucky is a great small town, actually, but there's certainly, there's certainly opportunities there. And back to something we talked about earlier, I do it's all going to be a very positive um, impact on Appalachia and the Rust Belt particularly as I think, you know, on both sides of the political spectrum, but certainly more on the right side, you know, there's a a growing awareness of how the last multiple decades of trade deals and globalism and internationalism has really hollowed out and hurt, you know, middle class America, particularly in the Rust Belt and Appalachia and elsewhere. And so there's great opportunity to, you know, reinvigorate a local community and economy by bringing your family there and planting them there. And it's just fundamentally a, a different paradigm than you know these than sort of you know big real estate investors who are gobbling up land and then selling it out to you know put five hundred cookie cutter houses on. It's just that's not what this is at all. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like do you want Bill Gates, do you want foreign Chinese investors or BlackRock <laughs>
3: <laughs> right. You know,
1: buying all your land and building rent to own homes or whatever or you know, now they do a lot of build to rent developments. I mean, the the we want to we want to empower like families to own real estate and own a slice of real estate in a beautiful part of the country where they're going to be happy creating long-term roots.
0: Well, let me just give some empirical backup to what Josh said. That that area is not too far from me. And it's part of my favorite part in the world, particularly this Cumberland River uh, location he's describing. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous and a wonderful place to to do the kind of thing that you're proposing there. Um, w- William, let me ask you this Is there, um, is there a long term political shift that you think is going to r- arise out of this? Like, will we be looking back in 10, 15, 20 years, maybe longer, and saying, you know, that early part of the 2020s, uh, that really that really redefined American politics. Do you think that's on the table here? Well, it absolutely is on the table.
2: It has to be on the table. Don't redefine the way that we are, you know, we are working together communally as Americans, you know, writ large then you know, America as we know and love it, uh, will cease to exist. I know that Ben is black on that. He thinks America doesn't exist. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think, I, I think if there is hope, if there, if there is hope, then this is where it, this is where it is. It, it, it lays with people who have an entrepreneurial spirit who are willing. To say enough is, and are going to search for a better life for their family. And sometimes people just need to hear that that's out there. And particularly with work from home options, you know, uh, and and these these uh, parcels and plots of land have fiber optics. Will be getting fiber optics if they don't have it yet. Josh, you can chime in on that. But the you know the the possibilities are there for people to go. You know, one one of the things that so many people feel today, one of the delays on life in America is that that idea that you're going to have for your family than your parents had is gone, right? I mean, just, you know, you know, people aren't purchasing homes, you know, these days, it's harder to buy a home, people are having less kids, and all that goes into sort of generational depression and discontentment. And opportunities like this to go and to get your own land, to build your own house, to reinvigorate a community is, is the path forward. If you don't, like Josh said, I think localism is a great term for it. You know, it's, it's Christian localism in, in rural communities that can become sort of bedrocks and anchors for an overall, um, national reinvigorate, you know, reinvigoration of, of our society and politics. But it begins with you, it begins with you and your family and, you know, Ben, you and, ben and jeff you guys have done that i think josh has done that to a certain extent i'm trying to do that myself now moving my moving my family back to north carolina to be around my because i want to close to them help care for them as christians we understand that that's a, a command from the lord to make sure that we provide for our own families and so if you're looking at doing something like this i say bring bring the whole crew you know go out there get your own parcel build your own house get another parcel if you can and get your folks to come down and live with you get your family <laughs> out there and Make it a family affair.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would say, like, I think some people might say, like, oh, why do, you know, why do Ridge Runner like we can just kind of, you know, drop yeah. a finger on the map and plop down and, and, uh, you know, and I, I would say, like, we, if there's a community where, where we're like buying and selling land, that represents our commitment to, to working it a certain way, developing it and actually getting the word out there. And so, you know what what we hope to do is you know create you know create some critical mass so you feel like you're part of a project with more people than just yourself you know you you're moving in with um a community perhaps of of similar minded pioneers that can be your neighbors and and friends while you do it so you know it's it's uh it can be a bit daunting uh you know if you uh jump out into the country you know on your own <laughs>
3: Yeah, you know, so actually, this is a, a question I was going to bring up, um, you know, Ridge runners relatively new. And yes. you're kind of asking people to take a, a pretty big risk to to do something like this. What's the, I guess, sort of the encouragement you could give to somebody who's like, maybe on the fence about it, but thinks, you know, is, this, is Ridge Runner even going to be around in five years? You know, like, what, what's, what's the the chances I move out here, and I'm the only one that does?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean I the 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 demand has been uh the demand has been very strong. People really want this. I would say that the t- to your question um you know a lot of people they want to see a certain amount of scale before they're ready to jump in. You know, yeah. so there's a little bit right. of a collective action challenge actually. I mean where we you know we've had you know we've had a number of people who are like very independent, they're pioneers. They're ready to say I will be the first to jump in the pool. Um and so what I would say is right now, we're we're still at that stage where you do feel like you're jumping in the pool early when you come out to a Ridge Runner community. There's not a lot of stuff there today. And I want to be clear about that. Like until we get further down the road, um, it is going to be, you know, it is going to be like pioneering. Like this is kind of a frontier experience. And that's not, I, I totally get, that's not for everybody, but there's going to be some people who are going to thrive under those conditions. They love it. There's something kind of like, I mean, there's something about how God made us and, you know, men, I think, are often wired this way. Right. But like we see a blank canvas and we want to we want to impose order. We want to create on it, Um, especially something like, you know, rural frontier. It just engages a a sense of adventure. Um, So so right now where Ridge Runner is, that's that's the experience right now five years from now, RageRunner's not going anywhere for one thing. I mean, we've, we've got really good, you know, financial backing and, and, um, both my, my dad and I based out of, I grew up in Hartsville. My dad still lives there and we, that's right in the region. We know this region well and are committed to it long-term. Um, but, uh, you know, right, uh, you know, I think five years down the road, the thing that will change is, uh, you know, these communities are going to be more developed. Um, if, if we're successful, it's going to be, um, it's going to be more expensive to buy in. It's, you know, it's going to, it will change property values. So, you know, right now getting into a Ridge Runner community is sort of like getting in at the ground floor, so to speak. Um, as supply dries up, um, you know, prices are going to change. And so, yeah, that, that would be my, that would be my pitch right now. Um, you do have to have, a bit of a pioneer mindset and have a vision for how you want to plug in early into the community and build something, you know, really beautiful. So.
3: Yeah. And I think one other thing we could talk about too, sort of changing direction a little bit is, um, and it's been a a controversy with like with the, 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 uh, Oh, what's the name of it? The, um, fleeing as fight. I can't remember the name of the book, but you know what I'm talking about? The, the, the whole idea right. of that you, you, Christians ought to consider flight as a, a viable option for their families. Um, And there's been a lot of people who have talked about this and said, you know, this, this is crazy. This isn't Christian. This is abandoning the Great Commission. I don't think many of our listeners are there, but what would you say to somebody who's like, well, isn't this kind of, isn't this its own kind of loser mindset? You know, we're, we're going to go build our little community and, and be safe from all of the world's troubles rather than you know actually putting up a fight how how would you answer somebody like that
1: i would say when you're when you're in a very progressive area like a huge portion of your mindset is taken up with defense all day like the moment you leave your front door you're thinking how do i protect my kids from like super insidious forces that are pushing in on all directions and when that when that much of your mind share is devoted to like essentially a defensive crouch you have like a very impoverished imagination about what you could do so i would I would tell people like think about it, if you're plugging into a like not every community is a suitable one for you to put down roots and build something for the long term
2: no i i mean I, I would say this is that i mean Joshua is absolutely absolutely right that you know if you if you're in a if you're in a progressive stronghold of an area you know and, and you're a Christian or conservative or just you know a reality minded individual uh who believes men are men and women are women and you shouldn't trans kids. Then you know your your options to live your life like that, free from interference, harassment, and persecution, are dwindling fast. And it is a matter of Christian wisdom. But you know, there's nothing there's nothing unChristian about seeking to build and contribute to a a, a thriving community that respects the natural creation order that God has woven into this world with people who share that worldview and mindset, and that you can work together and enjoy fellowship. Like it's, look, of course, yeah. your neighbors across the street in San Francisco that have the trans flag and the, you know, the BLM creed sign up. Yeah, that is absolutely an opportunity to share the gospel of those people. And and that's good. But also in some senses, you, you know, if you're a conservative or a Christian living that area, I, I assume you feel like you sort of live in conquered territory, like the trans flag, like where's the American flag? And so I think yeah. that uh, there's nothing wrong with Christians using wisdom to order their lives rightly, to to seek to fulfill that command what we are told to pray for, that we can live quiet lives, working with our hands and honoring our authorities as they, you know, honor the Lord and, you know, fulfill their duties as magistrates under him appropriately. And so, you know, I think to people who were, you'd ask like to people sitting on the fence, what would you say? Well, first of all, I'd say, if you, if you live out there, you can have a fence <laughs> and, you know, strong <laughs> fences make good, na- uh, you know, strong Fences make good neighbors. Uh, to, you know, that's that's one pitch. But I'd say that if you have the capacity, the capability, like if you have a job that you can work from home at potentially or work from anywhere, you know, then why why don't you strive to put that to use uh, in reinvigorating a, a rural community that's going to provide shelter for your family for generations to come and is going to give you an opportunity to experience a good life if the Lord wills, you know, for you in this world. There's there's not necessarily intrinsic valor and in sticking around to get, you know, beat up on right. in progressive strongholds. Now, yeah, the, you can be a gospel witness, but you don't we I think we want to be very clear. It's not a good gospel witness to sacrifice your kids to the to the trans agenda. That's not a good gospel witness. Now certainly not your kids who are your primary disciples as <laughs> right. uh, you know the ones you're trying to disciple as parents. So I, I would say that if, if you think that you can, you know, if you can, you know, afford to you know, purchase a plot of land and look, to, if you're looking to buy a house somewhere in, in an already developed community, chances are that you can buy a parcel of land in a much, you know, less developed area, more rural area, and put a bigger house on it and it still come out on top. If you can do something like that, Uh, man, I I don't know why you wouldn't except for other considerations. Like, you know, I would be there in Burksville, Kentucky on a plot like this. If it wasn't for the fact that my family's in North Carolina and I hope that we can see Ridge runner communities, maybe North Carolina, South Carolina, et cetera. But if this is something that you think you can do, uh, I say, don't wait.
3: Yeah. Yeah. One thing Jeff and I talk a lot about on this podcast is we're, we're kind of, I I think almost accidentally, but not really, but but very family oriented. So we talk a lot about, you know whatever topic we're discussing, how, how does it apply to a a Christian family? Like what's a Christian father supposed to do in this situation, thinking about this issue. And with this one in particular, I think about, you know, it's, it is crazy to me to think that you have to give your family up to, you know, the, like you are saying, the, the city, like San Francisco, and just like give them up to the public school there, or even the Christian schools there, you know, to, to give your family up to this godless city that is you know actively working against everything you believe is good and true in order to be a gospel witness to them that that you're damaging your family and you know scripture says the person who doesn't the man who doesn't take care of his family is worse than an unbeliever um and so for like christian men thinking about this like obviously if you can find a place to move like this that is around people you can trust with a church you can trust that you know, it's going to help you build something to leave an inheritance to your children's children. Why wouldn't you do it?
1: That's exactly right. And like, it's, it's normal, natural, and healthy as a, as a family to think like, we want to put down roots somewhere and leave an inheritance for our children and our grandchildren. Like it's good that God made us that way to want to bless future generations with like a legacy. And, um, you know, so much of, uh, you know, uh, to, to sound like a hippie here, um, for a second, like so much of, I, I think a lot of, a lot of modern people have this very, they, they kind of have a very detached view about where they live. You know, I can, Oh, I can live in that city. Just I'll chase a job. Um, you know, I'll buy a house in a suburb. It's all be fine. And that all results in like kind of failing to put down roots and failing to have thick community. And those are things that God like created us to, to need. And it's not just that you'll kind of flourish and be happier, which, but you you probably will, but y- it's also going to make you a lot, um, a lot stronger to face um, the calls to compromise and all the rest. When you have a thick community around you, that can be a tool for, that can be a big tool for encouraging your children and discipling them to stay in the faith in the long term as well. It's not just about you, but it's about your kids. Having that thick community helps to Instill virtue and, and hopefully it's a means that God uses to um, prepare them to to be regenerated and receive the gospel
3: yeah yeah, I as you were talking, I was thinking about myself as a, a very young person, and somehow, you know in my my early uh, adult years, I was like a boomer already because I was like, I, would, I just want to live in a suburb, work for a company for you know life, and exist like that and now thinking back, I'm like, well, wow, that guy was an idiot first of all. But second of all, like that's so um, it's almost inhuman. It, you just want like you're just a cog in a machine, whereas, you know, building like in a in a frontier scenario is uh, gives you a way to kind of fill, fulfill the creation mandate, you know, take dominion of the earth. And I think there's something that's just naturally pleasing about that to men like you were talking about earlier that they have this desire to take dominion and impose order on chaos. And, uh, there's something really valuable about that. And especially when you can do it in such a way that, you know, you're, either you're working from home and that gives you the opportunity to, you know, have side businesses or or something like that, or along with establishing a household, you're establishing a business in that community.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, working from home, um, you, it sounds like you've done this a bit. I've done it a bit as well. Um, That is a really it can be a really nice thing, but if it's if not stewarded properly, it can actually be a pretty poisonous thing too. And um, you know, I worked from home in my suburban house for basically two years. And you can find yourself falling into a very like kind of uh cloistered and and sort of selfish life. Um Mm -hmm. if you don't have things like local community, strong church to pull you out of yourself and get you back out, you know, investing in other people and I do think, you know, someone who someone who works from home and could work anywhere should think very strategically about this is an incredible opportunity, actually, to have to have that freedom. And, you know, are you going to squander it by kind of just picking the the, you know, picking the place that whatever suits all your minute preferences the most? Or do you want to actually like because you have that flexibility, try to utilize it and like leverage it to actually build something that would be more lasting? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Josh is just right about that. I think that many people uh, have have experienced uh, effects of you know prolonged work from home, and and that's certainly something that's you know a, a good thing in many ways. It gives you flexibility, but how you steward that talent—let's use that language, right? Like how you steward the talent of the flexibility and freedom of working from anywhere in the world is is a serious question, and to be able to put together, if you can either an opportunity to work from home and live on and cultivate land well, that kind of gives you the best of both worlds in many ways that it can keep your your hands hands full with the with the land and your mind full with your job and obviously you have to put, you apply your mind to what you do around your land as well but you know people i think are realizing that this sort of the great modern disconnect from living on and off or in land is is not healthy for humans god god made us like you said, to take the minion and to cultivate, and you know, if you live in a concrete jungle, well, that opportunity just doesn't exist for you. And so, again, a community like a Runner community in Berksville, Kentucky, can can really uh, bring something into your life that maybe you didn't even realize was missing. And you know, particularly if you stop eating the seed oils, then then you're going <laughs> you're going real far in the right direction. Yes, very true.
1: One thing I do want to say about um this particular part of the country and jeff uh, understands this because this is kind of his neck of the woods but it's a very hilly area some people call it the little smokies it's kind of this this stretch along the cumberland where the cumberland's kind of carved out some gorges and cliffs and th- these aren't big mountains you know they're about 400 feet tall but it's just it's extremely dramatic scenery it's like a picture book um and it's uh, just just a little just a little region of the country in in Tennessee and Kentucky really that's like this. But um, you know, it's it's extremely fertile farmland. Uh, so there's a number of large Mennonite communities that are in the area, and uh, that's always a good sign. Yeah. Um, just a pro tip to to land purchasers. But when the Mennonites uh, when the Mennonites uh, sit down in an area, you know it's good farmland, and uh, you also know <laughs> you have probably got a good source of uh, you know, organic produce and beef and whatever. Raw milk. Yes, exactly.
3: <laughs> all right. Well, is there anything else you guys want to discuss before we uh, wrap this up?
1: I'll let you have the last
2: word, Josh. I'll, I'll say something real quick and then give it over to you. Um, well, first of all, you can find uh, Ridge Runner USA on on Twitter at USA Ridge. So check them out there and check out their website, of course. Um, but also I would say that Again for those listening to this you, you don't also have to be somebody who is just trapped in a blue state or in a blue city to be interested in this. This isn't for anybody. I mean if you live in Kentucky and you're listening to this and you know maybe you live in some other small town in Kentucky but it's time to to buy and build for your family. You know check check out Berksville. This is not, not only exclusively for those who are fleeing the madness of Chicago and Baltimore. This is for anyone and everyone who is looking to forge and build a better life. For your family, like Josh said, that desire is—he said it perfectly—is normal, natural, and healthy, and 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 that just expresses the way that God has made us. And so, I, I think that you know anybody who's looking to secure this future for themselves and their their generations uh, should definitely check out Ridge Runner. And uh, you know, again, the Cumberland River is truly beautiful. And you know, if I could wake up in the morning and drop a line and catch a trout with my morning coffee, I would do it in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Um, Yeah, I, I think um, I, I would say, you know, reach out if you're interested. So we've got a website, you can you can fill out an intake form. And, you know, uh, us or some of our people will kind of meet you out there and give you a tour of the properties. And I will I will give you this warning. There's something about Walking a property, uh, once you've done it, you you start to fall in love. So just just be be <laughs> forewarned um, when you start w- the 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 act of walking on this property can really uh, draw you in and and engage your uh you know your sense of romance and vision and all of that. But uh, yeah, I I um you know this has been a really good conversation, Ben. I mean, it, I think you know in in closing, the the vision really is a broader one, and it's like you know we want to um, as a company. Ridge Runner wants to grow and, and help build around and strengthen communities. You know, so we have we do we're in Berksville right now, but we've got other ones circled uh, that that we'd like to expand into and and really try to try to style, you know, try to try to follow a playbook of of expanding into communities where there's some really good localism already happening. And, you know, that we can spotlight and even kind of lift up by. um by helping make some properties available for people and bring, bringing them in and casting that vision, uh, you know, I, ultimately the, the vision, I mean, it's succeeding if there's thriving small towns all over Appalachia that, um, you know, are full of, um, you know, full of people who are bringing not just economic revitalization, but also building like healthy long term thick Christian community. Yeah, and Josh, there are it, there is drone footage of the lots on the
2: website, correct?
1: Yes, yeah. So you can, yeah, we've got photographs, drone footage, you know, maps of the parcels. You can, if you go to the website, you can get a good feel for kind of all that we have right now, and and uh, just a sense of what you know, whatever might fit your preferences. And we do have a lot of variety too. We've got some really big lots that would be great for homesteading and having kind of multiple building sites on them you know all the way down to one little acre on the river uh, we've got we've got a lot of variety and all of these lots will have fiber optics by the end of the year so uh, we've secured that it's coming in so if you're a remote worker and you depend on high speed internet we'll have that in place
3: yeah that that's actually a very relevant question
1: yeah
2: yeah so you can fall in love with them uh, even if you don't set foot on them through the drone footage but like Josh said if you go out there and Check it out, be warned, you might not come back. And I think that, you know, (laughs) one one kind of closing thing I would say here is for people listening, and I've thought about this quite a lot lately in a lot of other conversations, just it's the power of imagination, which obviously I think reflects 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 our the fact that we're made in the image of a creator God who, you know, charted, you know, eternity in his mind and how we're going to inhabit it in a glorious plan of redemption. And You know, we we need individuals in in our country to, to be gripped with the power of imagination and building something and to want to come to a place that inspires wonder and natural beauty, you know, inspires wonder and awe and helps even connect you, I think, with the Lord in certain appropriate ways as well. And so if you have an imagination or if you can imagine a better life, then this is a place where you can come and you can build it. And like Josh said, those opportunities are few and far between right now. And I think they will get more scarce as time goes on. So don't drag your feet.
3: Yeah. And I think another thing to say is just that I think we can probably all agree on this. And even Jeff in his absence, um, that there's no more beautiful place to live than al- along the Appalachian. Like it's just God's country. <laughs> it,
1: yeah, it really is. It's, it's, and you know, it's, uh, it was settled by the Scots Irish, the most ornery, you know, church, like wonderful people, you know. Just, uh, it's and it's unlike a lot of other parts of the country. It's really retained a lot of its traditional culture, yep. and that's something to be treasured and protected. It's like a, it's a link to the past. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. This, well, this
2: isn't uh, Ridge Runner's official motto, but since you said it, Ben, you know we could say it's a uh,
3: God's country for God's people. So come on. Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. I like it. All right. Well, do you guys, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for coming on. Jeff had to go to uh, go to a family event, so he's not with us anymore. But uh, we really appreciate you guys coming on and talking to us about this. Um, do you want to maybe rep the website one more time, and maybe your personal social media? Is where can people find you and what you're doing?
1: Yeah, ridgerunnerusa.com. It's also at u at usa ridge on Twitter. Um, you can find me at business that's B Y Z N E S S on Twitter.
2: Yeah. You can find me at, uh, William underscore E underscore (laughs) Wolf with an E on it at Twitter. And, um, yeah, I look forward to connecting with folks. Ben, thanks so much for having us on. I'm I'm glad to count count myself amongst the backwood believers. I want to back, (laughs) I want to backwoods believe man. And you've
3: helped me Uh, with that. (laughs) I I think, were you the one who came up with that? I, I loved that. I want to backwoods believe. (laughs) I don't, I don't know. (laughs) uh but yeah you can um if you're listening to this episode uh we would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast give us a review a rating on itunes that would be great especially if it's a negative one and if it is please leave a review because we love those um you can find me at Bendel wary on twitter uh, i think jeff is at merely j right with a w and uh thanks again for listening